Hi there, welcome to today's Suffolk Money podcast supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. Uh, Suffolk is full of all sorts of businesses from different sectors, providing all forms of career opportunities. But today's conversation is with Chris Wiley from the business So Successful. That's S-O-W, So Successful. And uh, what we do is find out about Chris's background as to why he's so interested in horticulture and uh, the huge success that he has, particularly over these last few months with the Chelsea Flower Show and with the BBC Gardeners World Awards. So keep listening. But actually what comes across really clearly is this was something which was embryonic back in Chris's school days. And he was the only one, he was the only one in his class who expressed any interest in going into horticulture. And he found it pretty tough trying to get through all of that. And yet, through all of this has carved out a wonderful career and has been hugely successful. So listen today, if you will, to Chris Wiley. Chris, it's great to uh, welcome you this morning to the um, Suffolk Money podcast. Um, we like to talk to people who run businesses and your business is really different and interesting. We haven't spoken to anybody like you. So it's so successful, so spelled S-O-W. Tell us a bit about what so successful does. So I set it up with the intentions of running independent plant and product trials, which is working on new plants and products in the marketplace or existing that customers need reassurance that that particular product performs as expected. So uh, for instance, if someone, if a company brought out a product, but there was another company bought out one that was 10, 20 pounds cheaper, um, it would be a case of, we need to get the message over to this customer to say why they should buy our product. So, so that's what I set the business up to do. Um, that quickly then emerged, um, well, it got into growing plants for seed production. So um, retailers who want um, various various um, different plants of straight colours, I could pollinate those in the glasshouse and produce seed of that particular plant. So unlike plants that grow outside that bees pollinate, that's all well and good and, and great for nature, but it means you don't usually get that same coloured seed. Um, so if you're selling plants as, as seeds in seed packets, you want the customer to know that they're getting a, a red plant rather than a mix of red, white and blue. So um, so that's what I can do as well in the, in the glass houses. And that's uh, and that's what I got into. So independent plant and product trials is my focus. Um, but seed production is another massive part of that. Goodness me, that all sounds highly technical, and we'll explore in a little while how you got to having that immense amount of knowledge. Well, let's explore uh, both of those. Just, you know, you mentioned some detail about seed production. Um, what range of plants we're talking about here? Flat, I mean, flowers, um, <laughs> I take it. Um, tell me a bit more about that. I'm, I'm no expert on horticulture, as you can tell. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so it's mainly just um, bedding plants and perennials. I don't really do much in sort of the veg and salad side of things. It's, um, it's kind of just um, the plants you would buy in a garden centre, um, either via seed packets or as young plants, and that you just plant straight into the garden. So that's the sort of uh, plants that I specialise in. Right. Okay. So I'm just intrigued about this. So essentially, um, a 
supplier or provider would work with you so that if they wanted to buy, uh, be able to sell a certain type of flower, and you might give me a name of a type of flower because I'm not really good at them either. Uh, and they said, we just want that in purple um, to be able to put, sell packets of purple and then packets of white. You could effectively just work through that so that the seed production is exactly that. Yeah, so as long as I have a group of plants of that particular colour that they're wanting seed of, um, I can then um, pollinate those and it's called straight pollination. So you use a paintbrush or the end of a um, or the end of a pen lid and collect pollen off of those plants and um, put it on the other flowers in in that group and uh, that pollinates them d just doing the work of a bee basically so I am a human bee um, and, uh, <laughs> but of course whereas a bee just isn't thinking about the colour because it'll go from a purple to a white to a red to a yellow back to a purple and therefore you get a bit of a mix naturally what you're doing is just saying right purple to purple white to white yellow to yellow Exactly that. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that's how it works. Right. Goodness. And yeah, I'm sure people like me had absolutely no idea that went on beyond the scenes. That's, that's astonishing. And about the, the product trials then, that's really about analysing the claims made by providers. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so um, the, the easier way of explaining this is um, like with a, a hard goods, so a product which you find on a garden centre shelf or on an online retailer, they can send out to you sort of next day delivery or whatever. It's those sort of products which have a, a marketing um, strategy where they want to get over to the customer that, let's say, a liquid fertiliser can produce up to 40% more flowers than without using that product. So I need to assess that and I need to see if they're if their claim lives up to um, well, my expectations. So um, so I will assess that over a period of weeks or months, um, depending what I think is most suitable. And I'll collect all the data. So not, not just flowers, but flower size, um, how early, how much earlier they started flowering, um, length of flower, all, all sorts, um, even down to the, the leaves. So it's, are the leaves bigger or are they shorter? Or are there more of them? So, so that's what I will assess over a period of time. Then I'll put that all in a, in a report to send over to them and say, look, this is what I've found. Um, I've trialed, let's say, um, a dozen plants per batch. So, so um, there's a dozen plants that have been fed, for instance, with their fertilizer, and there's a dozen plants that haven't been fed. Um, and this is the difference, and this is what you can claim. So, uh, so if they've claimed 40% more flowers, and I've found there's actually 50% more, that obviously works in their advantage. If I find out there's less, it doesn't. So, but uh, but that's that's what I do. Goodness me! And again, um, when I've bought goods of that nature and I thought I wonder how they know that they're <laughs> so it's down to people like you yeah so uh, obviously I, I'm not the only one doing this there are other companies out there but um but yeah um that's that's where these results come from so um I, I would hope that every single um claim that you see on a product out there has been independently tested like this um, and in most cases they are. So, uh, so yes, if, if you go to a retailer and uh, ask them, can you substantiate this claim? Where, where have you got this claim from? They might be able to send you back to me or one of these other. Okay, <laughs> other right, that makes sense, that makes sense. So within the um, area of you know, flowers and perennials and so on that uh, you've been talking through, and again, 
excuse my clumsy terminology because I don't really understand too much of this. Um, is there a particular type of flower that you specialize in? Um, so um, when it comes to seed production, where I have the most plants of a particular one, um, hellebores, which is also known as the Christmas rose. Um, so that's um, a plant I grow a lot over winter. And that's one of my favorite plants. Um, it just goes on flowering for so long. Um, and they're tough plants, they come back every year. Um, so that's a big one I grow over winter, which I love. And in summer, um, my favorite, which I grow thousands of are sweet peas. Sweet peas, tell us a bit about sweet peas. So I only really got into properly and professionally growing sweet peas about two years ago. Um, I'd, I'd grown them for years before that, but um, only on a very small scale, so in my own garden. But, um, but I quickly fell in love with them. Um, and it was after chatting to um, Seedlinks, who are a company in Essex um, who specialise in producing sweet peas and sweet pea seed. Um, I, I started working alongside them and uh, yeah, I grew what um, 12 rows under glass, each 40 metres in length. Um, so you can just you can imagine the, the scent as you walk into that glass house. Um, quite incredible. I, I don't know how many sweet pea plants there are in that space, but there's in the thousands. Um, and yeah, that's all for seed production. And I just completely fell in love with it. They're, they're tough plants as well. Um, they don't need much attention um, and they grow so tall. They grow sort of double my height. And I just it just amazes me. So uh, tell us a bit about how that's progressed, because obviously in the short time that you've been growing them, you seem to have had a huge amount of success. Yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's a new sweet pea, which I've been um, looking after, nurturing, um, since the first year I um, started doing seed production on such a big scale. Um, I, was, I was told by the owner of that company, Seedlinks I just mentioned, um, they said, you should keep that separate, that one, because um, that could be something quite special. Um, so you can have all the rights to it. You can, you can look after it, do whatever you want with it. But I would suggest you keep that separate. And um, my mentor over the last few years in the business has been uh, late Peter Seabrook. Um, he's just been incredible. His wealth of knowledge, his support, um, you couldn't fault him on anything. Um, he's just been so supportive of me. Um, and he, well, I introduced him to this um, sweet pea variety when he came, because sweet peas were his favourite flower. They were the first plant he ever grew from seed. He, he always had a passion for them. Um, so he would visit me sort of every week um, in the summer, and uh, he, I, I would show him this sweet pea. And his first reaction when he saw it was, this is just incredible. Um, you need to put that in a seed packet. You need to get that sold uh, mass market because the, the, the scent on that one is, uh, is like no other. Now, most sweet peas do smell nice, but this one smelled exceptional. Um, nice frilly flowers. And uh, well, if he's told me to keep it separate and sell it. And the other um, <laughs> chap has said the same thing. This is what I need to do. So when Peter passed away in January this year, I thought it was only right that I name it after the person who had supported me so much in my career. Um, so I named it Sweet Pea Peter Seabrook. Ah, oh, how, how wonderful. Now that's had quite a lot of attention subsequently, so I understand. 
yeah it's been quite phenomenal um overwhelming surreal there are so many words it's just something i never thought would ever happen um i i always wanted to have my own new plant and um for this to happen and just fall into place at sort of the right time um and to be named after such a, a great horticulturalist i mean never never saw that one coming I said to the RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society, I said, look, I've got this new sweet pea. Peter obviously passed away in January. It was his favourite plant. Um, so can I name it after Peter? I'd, I'd got Peter's um, children's permission to do so. Um, so it, it all kind of went from there. And <laughs> at Chelsea Flower Show this year, it was launched, officially launched to the public. And uh, the Queen attended that day and I was asked to take a posy up so that morning I, I went um, on the train so I'd taken all these sweet pea cut flowers up on the train I, I think I, <laughs> I, uh, I um, sort of surprised quite a few people on the tube um, everyone looking at me staring thinking what the heck is this man doing why is it why has he got those <laughs> sweet peas in his hand on the tube um, but um, anyway I got them there safely I'd, I'd made a posy up that night or, or my sorry my wife had made a posy up um, the night before and uh, it was presented to the Queen and it was just the most amazing moment and uh, a highlight of my career that I will never forget. Yeah so talk us through that day because I mean let's face it if anybody and I'm totally as, as you can tell, I, I don't really understand horticulture gardening at all, but I have been to the Chelsea Flower Show once and it was overwhelming, just the size of it, I found really quite incredible. Um, but for somebody who, well, I don't know, is that the Wembley of horticulture um, and yet that you the biggest stage and, and you were presenting the Queen in her Jubilee year with something like that I mean how how was that whole day I mean yeah Chelsea is the most talked about flower show I wouldn't say it's the biggest but it's the most televised one um and it's got the biggest statement gardens that's that's where it's it's kind of because it's an earlier show a lot of the plants are forced so they're not really gardens and plants that you could grow sort of that time of year but um but they are impressive and Every year at Chelsea, Peter Seabrook presented Her Majesty the Queen with a posy of flowers. Um, so whenever she visited, because she visited every year, um, and Peter would always have a posy there to present her with. Um, obviously, things didn't work out as Peter planned this year. He passed away in January and everyone, he had all these plans he discussed with me because I was I was growing plants for him for, for Chelsea as well. So, mm -hmm. so even I was like, well, do I still grow them? What, what do I do? So... So um, the people he worked with behind the scenes, we all kind of got together and said, look, we need to make this happen. We need to put his plans into place for one final year and sort of say, thank you, Peter. So, so that's what we did. We all worked together and uh, he had a memorial stand at Chelsea. Um, and that was where the Sweet Pea was officially launched. Um, and there was a bench in memory of Peter on there and lots of lots of suppliers uh, and growers that Peter had worked with over the years had put plants into this display. So it's kind of a, a massive team effort. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, the Queen visited that stand along with various other well-known horticulturalists and presenters. And it was just just incredible. I spent the day there and um, 
yeah, it's just one of one of my um, career highlights so far. It's <laughs> such an early age. You, um, that's amazing. And um, was it one of those days where you didn't really want to leave because it was <laughs> uh, it just you know just kept going and you just felt this this just how can I top this? Yeah, um, so I got there quite early in the morning because um, I, I just wanted to I wanted to beat the mad rush of people as well, <laughs> all these sweet peas in hand. Um, and I, I wanted a good look around the show, but I also wanted to be there as kind of someone who could talk about the sweet pea because um, I've got this personal connection with Peter, which um, I obviously I, yeah, I, I can't thank him enough for all he's done for me. So I'm just trying to give back to him as well and sort of say well you've supported me so now I'm supporting you so um so I, I spent the whole day there and I didn't want to leave it, when it when it got to the end I, I thought well I don't want to go that there's another <laughs> what five days of this I, I want to stay for the week but I, I knew I couldn't um but uh yeah the most incredible thing and um it was leading on to that um Gardeners BBC Gardeners World Live happened in um well just about two or three weeks ago in Birmingham at the NEC and um, I took the sweet pea there and they had a new plant awards competition um, there were 26 great entries of some fantastic new plants and I happened to win best new plant award with the sweet peas so it was just the icing on the cake um, it was what Peter would have wanted um, he always wanted to to be the the person that was most spoken about at the shows, the person who'd done uh, sort of the most out of anybody to work with people and collaborate with various businesses. And he worked with schools as well. He wanted schools involved with projects. So for for this to happen in his memory, um, yeah, it's something I will never forget. Oh, incredible! So again, talk me through how that um, day went. So this was in Birmingham. You said. Um and uh, BBC Gardeners World. So, I mean, again, I've seen pictures of you at Chelsea with Alan Titchmarsh, were you meeting the great and the good in, in the gardening world, uh, the gardening experts? It's, it's certainly um, connected me with people I, I didn't think I would be able to sort of converse with personally. Pe people I've aspired to um, on TV, on the likes of Gardeners World, and um, I've got I've, I've I've got to know a few of them, and uh, yeah, I had a really good chat with Alan Titchmarsh, who I, I wasn't aware, but he has a sweet pea named after him as well. Oh, so right. he was, fantastic! <laughs> he was because um, Alan was really good friends with Peter, um, yeah. so um, so he was chatting all about sort of their career highlights together, and um, yeah, I was just in awe of him I, I i i would love to have sort of the career that they've both had so that's what i aspire to fantastic oh what a great experience and many congratulations on that award i mean that's um thank you about 26 new varieties and it was um, something um cultivated in suffolk is uh, you should be very proud of that thank you very much that's that's amazing so i think it's probably worth now backtracking a little bit We're, uh, i think that's up to date unless there's anything else that you <laughs> you've won since <laughs> no um, i've just been inundated with press inquiries and all sorts of the the local news in all the newspapers so i'm 
<laughs> I've been getting quite recognised and um, wherever I go at the moment, but um, that's starting to to tail off when people kind of forget about these things and there's <laughs> there's so much else going on in the world that um, that this kind of takes a back seat. But no, it's uh, the last few weeks um, have been a moment which I could have only thought possible sort of. 30 years down the line. I, th I thought it was something more mature gardeners who've actually got a, a name for themselves. Um, moments like this never happen to people who are kind of, I mean, yeah, I've been working in the industry a few years, but it never happens to people sort of this young. It's always later in life. So so to, to peek at this moment, I'm not quite sure how I how I better that down the line, but um, <laughs> we will see. We should just say, Chris, um, from what well, I understand, you're 27. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 27, yeah. Yeah, so to have achieved this at this stage is absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, I'm sure that there are huge things still to come. But uh, yeah, it, it is absolutely phenomenal, uh, incredible. And, and it's um, great to be able to hear a little bit about it from you. So, of course, as you say, I suspect many of us are then thinking, wow, all this at 27, I, I bet you've been you know, on this business for years and years and years that you've just been telling us about. Actually, you haven't, have you? You haven't been running this business for very long at all. So no, tell us it, how it started. It was February 2020. So literally about four weeks before the whole world just locked down. Um, so it was a very scary time because um, I'd not long left um, my job at Thompson & Morgan. I was doing some freelance stuff in between. So I, I'd left um, Thompson & Morgan and where I was doing their plant trials. Um, and I was um, sort of doing some, some trials for various other people. And I realized there was actually a career to be made in this. So that's when I set up the company in February, 2020. And um, then when everything shut down and garden centers weren't open and mail order retailers didn't know if they were coming or going, um, business kind of just ground to a, a halt really. Um, so it hadn't even started and it just, fallen dead in the water I thought oh where do I go from here um so it, it was all thanks to the most amazing charity the Prince's Trust and if it wasn't for them uh, they gave me a mentor a business mentor who helped me with sort of cash flow forecasts um, and what to expect and how I can kind of get around this um, situation of not knowing what's going on. So I've, I've got to pay the bills. I've got a, a mortgage to pay. And um, yeah, I, how, how do I how do I fund this? And um, they sorted out um, business plans with me for well, probably about four or five weeks. Um, it went on for quite a while. Um, and during that time, I was sort of changing the business and how I was operating. And uh, they, the Prince's Trust had then partnered with um, Nat West, who had given Prince's Trust sort of a sizable amount of money to sort of help um, young entrepreneurs. And uh, did, they didn't want to see young people fail in business because of this. They wanted people to continue and the economy to thrive. So, so the plan was the Prince's Trust could help out young people and provide them with support to get them through these tough few months. And, uh, and they gave a, a, a nice sum of money to me that sort of what I lost over the course of those few weeks they gave back to me and I'm so grateful for it and um, yeah I, I couldn't have I, I wouldn't be in this situation right now if it wasn't for the Prince's Trust. Wow uh, what an amazing um, 
Yeah, what an amazing uh, organisation that is. So you mentioned about them helping you. So you had an individual who effectively just mentored you through that time. Um, I have to say, as somebody running a business not much bigger, a little older, both me and the business, um, that that was March 2020 was the hardest month I've ever had in business. So if you've only just started, I dread to think how hard that must have been for you. It, it was absolutely... Everything was a risk. Yeah, it, it, it was heartbreaking. Um, I'll be completely honest. It was um, the worst moment of my life that I'd ever experienced. Um, obviously I've, I've got no regular income um and like with all um business owners um there was there was no income so i mean if, if you've got staff that's even harder um but yeah just getting started and thinking well it's not even going to start it's just gonna it's going to finish within literally a month um and to have that support behind me um my mentor happened to um be an ex-business um leader in a in a bank i think so he was he, he was kind of mentoring people through the bank um but yeah he'd he'd um left that role and he was working with the prince's trust and i'm so grateful for the support i got yeah that's that is absolutely fantastic a great organization um and as you say really focused on the young young in our uh, country just to try and help them with business um oh very, very good so so that was 2020 um as you said, things then, and we, I think we can all remember that the dash for garden centres during that summer. Was there a huge amount of pent up demand that you were at least able to step into? Yeah, so I think everyone in our industry was so grateful when the government announced that um, they were going to open up garden centres again, because as, as I think we all know now, being outside working with plants is just amazing for for mental health and um it just clears your mind just being outside for 10 minutes can really help um so the demand for plants was there once again um and these businesses um these these growers were had a massive weight lifted off their shoulders and they could actually put work out to people like me again because they knew that customers were back and they were buying plants um so so yeah it was a it was a tremendous help and um had garden centers been closed for for so much longer it might be a different story but uh, mail order retailers online just sales went absolutely crazy they went through the roof um because everyone obviously being allowed outside in gardens and parks and whatever again um we were allowed to to work outside in our gardens and uh and that's when the demand just soared and that's when everything just fell back into place and things were looking brighter and uh, it looked like I actually had a future in this industry after all. <laughs> so do you supply to garden centres or are you mail order or do you do a bit of both? How, do, how does that work? I mainly work with mail order retailers, so uh, so those that trade online. Garden centres um, and, and supermarkets and other shops and stores who sell plants that's mainly with um bit much bigger more established growers um so i i just work with um either either smaller retailers or online stores yeah so that must have been yeah that was a bit of a boom year and i suspect that has it carried on at a similar level since with people you know wanting to spend time in their gardens now that perhaps pre-covid we just sort of took them for granted 
I think, yes, we've definitely kept a lot of people gardening. Um, but with obviously the financial crisis we're in at the moment, people aren't really spending the money they used to be during lockdown on plants. And it's it's tailed back quite a lot, quite considerably so that retailers are feeling it. Um, and there's there's a lot of plants that have been grown which aren't being sold. And unlike other products which you can store for six months, you can't store a plant for six months. Well, if it doesn't sell, it's got to be composted or or thrown away. You you can't you can't just keep hold of plants. There's only a, a certain amount of times you can cut a plant back and then it just kills it. Um, so so yeah, it's it's been a very challenging year this year. Um, I'm I'm not feeling those effects thankfully, but I know a lot of people in the industry who are. So um, so demand isn't there, but I think the lockdowns have promoted it um substantially and there are a lot of people that are still working outside and i've i've done a few radio interviews um since because of this sweet pea and there was one um one listener who got in touch with me directly through my website and um said i've been listening to your um to your um radio interviews and you've actually inspired me to get outside and work with plants and uh yeah if i can inspire at least one person i know i'm doing my job right so yeah, um, yeah. well there's no doubt that your enthusiasm on this subject is is phenomenal so um what i suppose is worth exploring is obviously you now have your own business which is so successful you were previously at thompson morgan a very successful suffolk firm a mail order firm of all sorts of plants uh, so how did you get there though you know in the, let, let's go back a little further um because i what, what age were you when you joined thompson morgan in my early 20s i'm assuming something along those lines uh, yeah when i joined thompson morgan i must have been 20 yeah 22 something like that um and yeah i was there for three years um and Prior to that, I'd, I'd always, I, I've got horticultural blood. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm more of a hands-on person. Um, I, I hated my school years. I, I just, I couldn't bear being sat in a classroom, listening to someone telling me things. I just wanted to be outdoors doing my own thing. Um, so yes, I passed my GCSEs, but only by the skin of my teeth somehow. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how I managed it, but um, but I absolutely hated it, couldn't stand it. Um, and my friends were all doing, well, I say all of them, a lot of them were doing brilliantly there. And um, I, I was one of those unusual um, kids who didn't do normal um, sort of teenager things. Um, I wasn't, um, at home on my xbox or playstation or whatever I, I was always outside so whenever my friends asked me so what are you doing tonight oh i'm outside watering the plants and just doing a few bits in the greenhouse <laughs> and uh, and that they would always take the mickey out of me and it, it wasn't fun in school um it was very um well it, it was a big struggle um i was teased a lot for for wanting to work with plants people were saying what do you want to do that for why don't you want to be a gamer why don't you want to earn millions being a a, a banker or an accountant or something like that but it never appealed to me um so so um yeah horticulture has always been in the blood my grandparents got me into it um i had an allotment that i shared with my granddad um and he was my big inspiration he, he passed away a few years ago and i think he was the the member of my family who I 
most connected to um, on on the the job and career side of things. He would always push me into seeing if there was a local garden centre who would kind of take me on as a, a weekend worker. Um, and it was through him that I went to um, a place called Harvey's Garden Plants in Thurston, um, who were doing a lot of the flower shows, so Chelsea, Gardens World, Hampton Court. Um, so I, I um, approached them on my granddad's advice to see if they could take me on at the weekend while I was studying at school. And uh, it was a dead, no, sorry, um, we're not going to take you on. We, we can't can't afford it we don't we don't need any more staff but do come back in a year or two's time and uh, we'll see what we can do um and <laughs> it was just a few weeks after that um when one of my neighbors um came across and knocked on the front door my, my dad answered and said chris this is for you so I, I went over and spoke to her and she worked in the tea room that was at this nursery and uh, she said I've spoken to the owner of the nursery and told him about your passion for plants, because at this point I was selling a few plants outside the home for a pound a plant or whatever. And um, and she said, well, you've clearly got green fingers. So I've I've mentioned your name to to Roger, the owner of this nursery, and he's interested in interviewing you. I said, well, I've already been there. He doesn't want me, but I'll go again. And uh, I, I went and had an interview and he took me on immediately. Um, so I was doing Saturdays at that point while I was at, um, at school and then when I left school um, I went on to do an apprenticeship with him so um, I was working sort of five days a week then um, studying with Otley College um, and had a, a, a mentor from Otley College coming over once a month to assess me and go through things and I completed level two and level three in production horticulture and that's where it all started. Goodness. So you were you went to school in Stowatland from what you were saying to me earlier. So yeah, you know, high school. Yeah, uh, Stowatland High School, um, then on to Thurston, studying in Otley, and now your business is on the Shotley Peninsula. Yes. So I um, I live sort of Needham Market way, and I've got a half hour commute to um, uh, to Harkstead, it's a village called Harkstead, which is next to the Shotley Peninsula, and um, and that's where the glass houses are. That's where I used to work when I worked for Thompson and Morgan. Thompson and Morgan had put these glass houses up because um, they only rented that site. Um, so so I was working for them there for I think it was three years. Um, I left to do my own thing, my own independent trials, um, and Thompson and Morgan left that site um it wasn't quite a year after i had um so that glass house became available um well i wanted to set up an actual business so successful so i thought what better place to trade than these glass houses where i'd worked before so um i, I knew what was there what to expect so i approached the uh, landlord who was just so happy that somebody wanted to take it on that's amazing yeah wonderful and what, what strikes me when, we, when I've been talking to you, Chris, is just that, that being outdoors, working with nature, plants and, and so on, just feels as though it's all you've ever wanted to do. And, and here you are making a, a huge success of it and being recognised nationally as well. It's, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, I, I will never lose my love of, of gardening and working with plants. Um, I, I often spend 
hours each day, sort of nine, 10 hours working sometimes in the glass house, because this sort of time of year, um, there's a lot that needs doing a lot of watering on, on hot days. So I can spend hours there. Then when I get home, people always think that a gardener has an impressive garden um, <laughs> and that they've got the garden that everyone aspires to. Well, I can tell you now it's completely the opposite to that. Um, I don't have a great garden. Um, I don't spend much time there. Um, when I get home, the last thing I want to do is get out in the garden, do my own <laughs> garden. Um, but obviously, I know it needs doing. I know I need to sort of look like I am doing things at home in the garden. So, um, so I do come home and water occasionally. But, um, but no, my garden is not impressive. I would not open it on a garden open day. That's for sure. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh no, no. Well, never mind. I'm sure others are benefiting from the great work you're doing. Um, but the bit that probably strikes me, and it's sad in a way, but I think it just demonstrates your commitment is how at school you know, your aspiration the things that drove you on were by your peers generally looked down on and teased I don't know if bullying is too strong a word but you've risen through that you've focused on what you wanted to do and you haven't just created a successful business but it it's been recognized nationally and wow what an amazing year you've had just to demonstrate that yeah you've done what you love yeah I think Going back to when I was in school um, and, and doing this, so working at a plant nursery, because my work experience as well, um, we all had to do two weeks of work experience. Yeah. Um, and I'd done that in another local nursery, in Woolpit Nurseries, in, in Woolpit, obviously. And um, people looked at me in a very strange way, thinking, well, why are you doing that? Why are you working in another nursery? Go and experience something else. I said, I don't want to experience anything else. This is what I want to do. Why should I not get experience in another place <laughs> doing something that I want to do? So um, the careers advisors, um, we all had to sit down with one in school on a few occasions. And whenever I mentioned um, what I wanted to do, it was always frowned upon and seen as, well, why do you want to do that? That's not where the money is. You should be working in IT. You should be doing these other things. And uh, I don't want to. You can't force me to do something I don't want to do. Um, and horticulture is never an option. Um, I think I think farming came up, but um, working with plants is a no-go. No one, no one should do it. It's, it's not an industry you should get into. Um, and I think it's the best industry to get into, personally. Um, <laughs> it's not if you like it. <laughs> well, it's, it's not the most financially rewarding, um, yeah. but it's the most rewarding job that I think I could ever have. Um, and I think that stigma needs to be taken off um, schools. And uh, when you're a pupil at school that wants to work with plants, that should be praised and encouraged. And I think schools need to do a lot more um, promoting the benefits of working with plants in this industry. Um, and I've spoken to um, a few of my old teachers about this and, and they agree, um, but it's something that they're, they're governed to, to do. They, they, can't, they can't have their say. It's, they're told what they have to promote and they have to do it. And it's, it's sad. And um, I really want to encourage change in, in that, uh, that way. So I have started, started to campaign on a very small scale, but I think more needs to be done and it needs to be promoted much more than it is currently. Yeah, and it just shows actually the breadth of businesses and activities and commercial opportunities that there are, um, particularly in Suffolk, because we have so much going from agriculture through to IT and everything in between. Um, and to be able to encourage people who love doing something to generate a business, start a business, 
in turn create employees. I mean, what what an amazing thing to encourage. So yeah, just just to focus on getting kids through exams. Um, as you say, it's the requirements that teaching has at the moment, and I think we understand that. But yeah, to follow the thing that you love, um, you've just achieved so much by doing that. Yeah, it's um, an experience that will just live with me forever. I'll carry on doing what I do. Um, for, for those that don't think um, I should be, <laughs> I should be doing this. Um, well, I, I hope I'm hoping I've proved them wrong. And um, all, all I can say is that, well, to, to teachers and people who sort of put me off, because I think it's also um, a, a family thing. Parents try and dissuade you from things where you're not going to earn millions, where you're not going to become a millionaire. So you should you should be you should be being an accountant. You should be, be earning lots of money. But um, I think now I've kind of proved to people, look, you can run a business. Um, you can make money from it. Um, you can do everything you want to do. You've got that freedom. And I think hopefully that's encouraged people to take a different sort of perspective on uh, on things. I absolutely agree with you. And actually one of the saddest things in our country is a pursuit of only the things that make the most money. When actually if we pursued the things that gave us the most joy, happiness and, um, you know, uh, excitement, um, then I think actually we'd all feel better for it. Absolutely. So that's been brilliant. Wonderful to talk to you, Chris. It's been an amazing um, story just of what you've achieved, well, all the way through your life, but particularly over this last two and a bit years. Um, and to have that national success that you've just had in these last few weeks. Um, congratulations to you and yeah we look forward to see what even greater things you'll achieve in the rest of your your working life i'm sure it will um it'll, you'll, you'll be springing forward from the pages of the newspapers i'm sure we'll see that well watch watch this space never know what's gonna get, be around the corner so yeah it's been been great chatting to you So that was Chris Wiley from So Successful, spelled S-O-W, uh, out on the uh, Shopley Peninsula with an amazing story of how he went from an interest in his early years, having his own allotment and his interest in gardening and horticulture and growing flowers in particular, and uh, just through to the success that he has had with his business over this short time. Uh, and how that's been recognised nationally uh, with this tribute to the amazing horticulturalist Peter Seabrook. Uh, a fantastic story. And I uh, just want to thank Chris for taking the time to tell us about that. So please do uh, subscribe and like uh, what we do. If you can give some feedback, uh, ideally a five-star rating would be good. Then it will help others find the Suffolk Money podcast. We're always interested in other stories too, so you can have a look at our Facebook page, our website, uh, and feel free to get in touch with any of them uh, as a way of communicating interesting stories in Suffolk. As you know, really, what we're focusing on is that there's only three things you can do with money. You can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it away. So we want to talk to the business leaders, those who are entrepreneurs within Suffolk, huge uh, businesses down to little ones, it doesn't really matter or charities and um, looking at what they do, or community groups, 
and the impact that they have on a local level. Feel free to get in touch. We'd love to put together another story where we can speak with someone and find out about what they do. So please do join us again on the Suffolk Money Podcast. Thank you.